Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and today we're going to talk about the potential restart to the NBA season. Of course, we all know about that bubble that's down at Walt Disney World in Orlando, and we're also going to talk today about the status of Jim Boylan. And some Bulls fans aren't sure what to think. Does he actually still have this job, or is this just something we need to be patient with and maybe a move gets made in the offseason? So we're going to discuss that with our special guest today, Katie Duffy. Now, Katie's been on the Rebuildable podcast before. She joined us uh, before the season started in September. And if you're a basketball fan, I really encourage you to follow Katie. Her Twitter handle is at Katie Duffy underscore, and that's K-A-T-Y. She gives you insight not only on the Bulls, but also on the entire NBA the Chicago Sky, and the WNBA as well. And she is very, very knowledgeable. Now, I think she was transitioning from gigs around the time we last spoke to her, but now she's an associate producer over at NBC Sports Chicago. So let's bring her in. Katie, thanks for coming back on. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me again. I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, you know, can't complain. All things considered, uh, I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes sense. There's nothing really normal right now. No, absolutely not. And I guess my follow-up was, how are you uh, How are you adjusting to, to the new normal and everything? Um, definitely a lot better now than it was a couple months ago. I think nobody was really doing well just when everything like went on super lockdown. But um, the warmer weather helps and then just, you know, making small adjustments. I guess I'm, I'm doing relatively okay now. Um, I guess as well as we can be in a really weird world. So, yeah. Well, it is a really weird world and... I mean, as sports fans like like you and I are, it's it's really I think also a, a tough adjustment too. Without you know any basketball, you know this around the time the finals would be happening. Without um, baseball season, it's just it's so strange to live in a sportsless world. Uh, unless you're a golf fan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, golf or NASCAR, you're safe. Other than that, it's um it's weird. It's quiet. I feel like that's the biggest thing right now. Is everything is so quiet sports wise? It's it's insane. Well, and I think it's interesting. We're hearing about the you know NBA bubble, and we're hearing about you know a potential restart to the season. But it seems like you know with with what's going on in Florida right now, you're seeing uh, you know a record number in, in confirmed cases and and a big spike there. Um, it's got me thinking like how how can the NBA pull this off safely? So I guess my first question for you that's just basketball related, like how can they pull this off safely? with everything going on around the country? I think it's really hard. Um, I think the short answer is I, I don't know how you pull it off safely. Um, there's just, there's so many moving parts to this, not only testing. And I think the biggest question right now is what do you do when they do test positive? Like what's the magic number of positive players that you can, you know, say, okay, we have too many, we have to shut it down now. So I think they're doing it the best way possible with quarantining them in small spaces, but it's still hard. There's so many questions. I think the the increased testing and then obviously keeping the amount of people that can come in very, very low um, is the best way to do it. And it sounds like that's what they're doing. So I think that's the most we can hope for right now. Yeah. And I think that's the key too, is they are going to be testing frequently. And, and when you listen to all the experts and um, you know, I, I don't claim to be a doctor or anything, but you, you, you can only read what you what you hear from the experts. And 
you know, from from everybody from Dr. Anthony Fauci to, you know, Dr. Burks, they're, they're saying that increased testing is the key, especially with these sports leagues. And I definitely see where the NBA is doing that. But I think what scares me is when you have like this pool of um, what do we have, like 22 teams that are going to be there. Um, how do you prevent some of those younger guys on the team from having that temptation to, to try and go out? You know what I mean? Like that seems like the biggest issue with all this or the potential issue that that could start you know piling up confirmed cases yeah i think i know they kind of mentioned there was uh they were going to use kind of the wristbands to keep track of the movement but i mean there's so many ways around that especially like you said for those young guys that are kind of trying to enjoy the nba lifestyle as much as they can and then even within the facilities i think it's hard to enforce a lot of the things that they're saying like I was reading that they can play card games together, but they have to be six feet apart. And it's like, well, that's that's hard to enforce, you know? So it's definitely going to be difficult. And they have to toss out the deck when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> I really want the stats on how many decks of cards the NBA is bringing to Orlando because I think that would be an astronomical number. Well, a quick aside, like, you know, the, the card games, the non-doubles ping pong tournaments they can have, like... I would love to have cameras set up and do a reality show <laughs> in the bubble. Like that would be must see TV even more than the games. <laughs> oh, for sure. I feel like there's going to be a lot of trash talk at those things. Cause I mean, think about it, how they go at it on the court. Like there's going to be so much trash talk, but I think you would catch a whole lot of tampering too. There is going to be so much free agency talk going on and you're going to see millions yeah. of super teams formed in this bubble. Well, and that's that's an interesting caveat there, too. The ability to go and sort of do unofficial recruiting if you're a player, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have all of these players around you, and you know that there's a star-studded 2021 free agent class. Like, how could you not be chomping at the bit to get in the good graces of Giannis and Kawhi and Paul George and even LeBron James? Like, it's like... It's like a buffet. It's you could literally <laughs> like you have your 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 pick of the litter of, of who you could potentially recruit to your team in a year. Yeah. yeah. Teams are formed in weird ways nowadays anyway, but just think about like whoever happens to be at the table for that card game or that ping pong game could be on a team together in a few years or even next season after free agency. So it's it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna have a lot of interviews coming out in the next couple of years of like oh yeah, we were playing, you know, um, poker together in the bubble and we just decided it was time to team up. So that's going to be a lot of fun in the next couple of years. I I was going to ask this question a little later, but I think it's kind of apt now. Are you kind of upset the Bulls didn't somehow find their way into this? If if the NBA had, you know, opened it up to to more teams, are are you upset that the Bulls weren't part of this um, for that reason, not having an opportunity to sort of scout the field and and give some of the players on the roster a chance to mingle with some of the the better players in the league? I think that is the only reason why. Yeah. (laughs) I think like most Bulls fans, I'm not going to complain about not having to watch them play again, but just we're going to miss out on the free agency. And, and Zach Levine was even, you know, we kind of heard doing some recruiting at all-star weekend. So I just imagine how much he would have done if he was in the bubble, trying to convince people that, Chicago is a good place to play and trying to convince people to play with him. So I'm definitely bummed about that because I do think that he's a good face to our team and he would have done a lot of free agency work then, but yeah, it's, it's tough, but I guess it's, you know, in some ways it's for the better that they get some time off and then they get to kind of decide what they want to do with the rest of the team. Yeah. It really would have been interesting to see, you know, Zach Levine's recruiting efforts. Cause I do feel like he's a really respected player by other 
you know, by his peers. And I could see him being a kind of guy that could have maybe wooed some some potential free agent options. Like I know for me, 2021, I'm I'm all in on on trying to recruit a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I feel like that would be the guy that I would just want Zach to to buddy with the whole time in that bubble. But unfortunately, we we won't get to experience that. Yeah, Giannis is going to have a lot of friends during this whole, like, however long it lasts. He's going to have a lot of friends, um, as I'm sure the rest of the free agents will, too. But, yeah, I mean, the, the the stakes were set up perfectly for Zach Levine to go into this and be like, hey, we have a new front office. And also, like, Chicago's a great city, and you get to play with me, and we're going to have a new roster. And, yeah, it would have been a really good setup for him. But, oh, and, well. And we have Laurie Markkinen, and he defers, so you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, he'll take a seat on the bench if that's what you need him to do. It's fine. See, we're making yeah. room. <laughs> so there you go. Like, it, it's a perfect scenario. I, I, I though, kind of would have been worried if they would have sent Jim Boylan down to the bubble. That would have scared me, you know? <laughs> you know what? That's true. If Jim Boylan went down to the bubble, I think every player would have been immediately turned off to the Bulls. So maybe it is a good thing that they're not going. Oh, if, man, yeah. If so, if you were Zach Levine, actually, I, I kind of want to keep harping on this one if you were in the bubble let's say you're Zach Levine you're in the bubble um outside of Giannis is there like a list of guys that you're trying to to go after and and hang with to kind of start that recruitment I think this is gonna sound bad but just to be totally honest with you I think the Bulls are in a position where they have to take anyone they can get and maybe not like you know maybe not literally anyone but anyone that can score and anyone that can have like a big leadership presence, I think they have to take. So Giannis is obviously number one, but I think, I'm sorry for whoever's heart that I'm breaking right now. I don't see it happening for us. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think Zach would have gone into it with a giant list of players that he wanted to talk to. Um, hopefully he would have come out of it with one. Again, LeBron, I don't see that. I don't think he's going to leave LA in general, but definitely not for Chicago as much as some people may want that. So I think... I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of broken into two tiers and I think we're at the second tier right now with those free agents, but mm. you know, who knows? Maybe Zach Levine can work his magic. He's a charming guy. Maybe he could get Giannis to come on over. He, he certainly is a charming fella. Um, I guess with the, the setup to kind of go back to the, what we were talking about when we started the discussion about the bubble, do you think this is going to be a season that you look back on and say, hey, you know what, it was like a normal season and the playoffs were really competitive? Or do you think this season is going to be slightly tarnished when you go back and look at it? Like whoever comes out of this as the champion, are you going to have sort of that like asterisk in your head? Or or do you think it's a legitimized season still because they, they will have the normal playoff format? I think for everyone except for the fans of whoever wins it, there's an asterisk on it. A hundred percent. Because you're seeing in a, a long period of downtime where some players are at an advantage, where they have, you know, home courts that they can work on. Um, you know, some players have more resources at home than others do. And the same thing with teams, like teams that are older and are now getting a giant break in the middle of the season to rest up from those injuries are going to have a major, a major advantage. And then on the flip side, you know, whatever team has, you know, unfortunately has players that test positive is at a disadvantage. So, a hundred percent. I think there's an asterisk on whatever the championship is, whoever the champion is and everything that happens. But I don't know. I, I think if you're 
a fan of the team that wins. You don't really see it that way. And then obviously the players who win it aren't going to see it that way. But for the rest of us, yeah, this, this is not a normal season by any means. One other question about the bubble before we move on. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you think is the favorite? Is it the team with the most veteran experience that, that's going to have the advantage because they're a little more focused on everything going on? They're, they're sort of just locked in. It's a, it's a business trip to them. Um, or do you think, you know, a, a younger, hungrier team that might have struggled because of the, the home court advantages that you talk about with with the playoffs, do they maybe have that that upper hand in this kind of scenario? I think it's older teams for sure. Um, I think as a young guy who's still getting used to the NBA or still doesn't have that kind of veteran presence to him, coming into a completely different world and just, I, I imagine being overwhelmed by the fact that you're living in Disney World with like all these other players and you have so many outside forces that are going to be affecting these young guys that still are getting used to the NBA in general. I think the veterans that have been maybe not in this situation, but have seen a lot of different things are going to have the advantage of being able to tune that stuff out and focus on what's in front of them. And then obviously now they've had time to rest up as well. So actually I think the Clippers who you just mentioned are going to have a big advantage and probably the same thing with the Lakers and all those kind of older veteran teams. That's actually the team I'm really pulling for is, is the Clippers in this whole thing. Like it's really since the beginning of, of the season. Um, yeah, I was realistic. I knew the Bulls weren't going to be in it. I, I've been, I've been pulling for, for really the Clippers all season. So that would kind of be my, my, uh, team that I'm pulling for in the bubble. Um, Going outside the bubble, I know you you follow the the WNBA very closely, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this. You know, the WNBA is going to hold their season at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Um, we saw recently that both Natasha Cloud and I think Latoya Sanders, both from the Mystics, they said that they're going to opt out of this season. And there's been some concerns about you know where they're set up in the state. How do you think this is going to play out? Do you think they can operate safely or is this much riskier than what the NBA is doing? I think uh, for both, you have a similar set of risk factors, but those risks seem to be like emphasized for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I have never been to this academy. I, I can't speak from personal experience. I just have to speak from what I've been reading. And it seems like there is a much higher chance of that quarantine being broken. And there's a much higher chance for outsiders to come in than there is at Disney world where the NBA is going to be playing. Um, And then also just, just the factors for them are so different. I mean, we've already had more players opt out for them, which I think we had John Cole Jones today too. So that's another hit for um, Connecticut, but you also have with the WNBA set up, um, unless you've been in the league for five years, you can't bring someone in with you unless Mm. it's, your child and a caretaker. So like if you're a rookie player, you now have to travel to Florida by yourself. I mean, you're with your team, but you're not going to have, you know, family or anything the way that the NBA is allowing to bring them in. And then, I mean, we, they have full salary. The WNBA will have full salary, but um, even then, like some of the guests that, that the older players are allowed to bring in, they have to pay for. So it's just different. It's going to be a different hit to their mental health than what the NBA players are going to be dealing with. Um, And then you also just have just completely different setups. Like they, the NBA is having um, food specifically cooked for them by nutritionists. The WNBA, it sounds like, isn't going to have that. So it's just completely different factors. And I think all the risks that we're seeing with the NBA are going to be kind of exaggerated with the WNBA. I don't know. It makes me kind of nervous. I'm kind of scared for them. 
That's a very interesting point. I, I did not know that that they're going to have to you know foot the bill for any guests they bring with them. I mean that that to me is is a major deterrent. And given the fact that there's more risk involved, like I don't know, and that would be a tough one to that. It would be a tough call if I were a player in that scenario, like to mm-hmm. to have to you know put yourself at a health risk, knowing that more people can enter the building. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of a scary proposition and, you know, you're covering costs for people to, to come with you. I don't know, like the NBA is creating like this, you know, country club atmosphere almost. And it seems like with the WNBA one, it's just sort of a, you know, more like college campus style. Yeah, it is. I mean, the living quarters are even different. I think from what I was reading, they have several people in, um, what was the word they use? Kind of like like villas, like multi-room villas. Um, and the NBA, I believe, is like personal housing, which is a whole new risk factor in and of itself, too. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's got to be a really tough decision. I think for the league itself, it's a good time. And I know that sounds horrible, but if the, w, or if the NBA, excuse me, does not go on and the WNBA does, that's so many eyes for them and so much exposure. But it's got to be a really, really, really difficult decision to make whether or not they want to actually enter the bubble and put their health at risk. I, you know, and I, I had thought about this too um, when prepping for, for the show. I, it was kind of, I think, jarring to me that there wasn't, you know, more serious discussion about having the WNBA also in Orlando, um, you know, at Walt Disney World Resort. I think that to me would have been, you know, an easier way to, to control it a little bit if you had them you know, in that sequestered environment in a hotel where there was nobody really coming in or out where they were staying. Were you kind of shocked that they didn't find a way to sort of partner up on that to try to, you know, get them into an area where they could quarantine a little easier? I think that would have been a really cool setup to have all of them in the same place. I think that would have been amazing to see. And, And even if, you know, they only overlap for a small period of time, but I guess that's kind of the problem too, is like how many courts do you have available? And, um, can you set them up in two different locations? I'm not sure how that would work, but I really, I agree with you. I think that should have been discussed a lot more if it had even been discussed at all, because that would have been really cool to see. Uh, one last, uh, d- one last point about, you know, the, the bubble stuff here, the um, hotels that the NBA is staying in, you have like the top team staying in the, the Grand Destino, you have like the mid tier in, in the Grand Floridian and the bottom ones are, are at the yacht club. Um, if the Bulls had gone, what hotel would they be in? Would they be in one of the all-star hotels, like one of the cheaper ones? They would be at a motel down the road, um, with no air conditioning. There's no pool. There's nothing. It's just a motel. That's where the Bulls would have been if they had been allowed to go. Run run by some guy named Bubba. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Bubba takes good care of him. Don't worry. It's fine. Hey, Zach, you got a real pretty looking face. (laughs) No. That would have been, I would pay to see that. Like, if you could make that part of the reality show, too, like the the crappier quarters for the crappier teams, I would totally, totally pay to see that reality show if they could ever make that happen. Um, Continue the conversation with our beloved, with the Bulls. A lot's being made right now about the status of Jim Boylan. And, you know, I'm kind of conflicted on this. Like, I love the fact that the Bulls made the move for, you know, Karnasovas and Eversley very quickly. They moved swiftly on it when um, really the pandemic started. And they've been very prudent, though, with this head coaching decision. Um, part of me feels like 
it's a good move to to wait a little bit because their reputation around the league with head coaches and you know among the coaches in the league is is kind of shaky. But then part of me is like, hey, just keep doing what you're doing, rip off the bandaid and let this regime find their guy. But I, I don't know. Like I, again, I'm I'm struggling to know what's right. What do you think is the right way of handling this with Jim Boylan? Yeah, I think um, if I answer off like a purely emotional instinct, it's just fire him now, get it over with. But I think that's honestly just because there's so much like disdain built up for us as like a fan base against him. But like if I actually sit down and logically think about it, I understand why they're waiting because you have to see who you're going to put in his place. You can't just not have a coach. And if I remember correctly, they can't speak to any of the other coaches yet because the season is technically still going on. So you don't even know who's available. You don't really know who you want yet. I think with GMs and, you know, basketball operations, those kinds of people, I a hundred percent support quick moves because you're snatching them up before somebody else can grab them. And, you know, their track record are just kind of out there for you to see. But with coaches for me, it's a little bit different because you can remove a GM mid season And of course, it's going to affect everything, but I don't think it really affects the day-to-day of the players. But if you remove a coach in the middle of the season because he's not the guy or you find out that he just doesn't work well with you, it affects every single aspect of the day-to-day for the players and the team in general. So I think take your time. And I I know this is a hot take, but I think if if they don't get their guy this offseason and they have to keep Jim Boylan one more season... The world is not going to end. Like, I think that I would rather they get this decision right rather than rush into whoever happens to be available this offseason just so that we can push Jim out of the building. As much as I cannot wait for him to be out of the building, I think we have to get it right this time. Well, and I'm with you on this because a lot of Bulls fans or even some in the media, they're citing the New York Knicks right now. Um, which is problematic in and of itself. When you start comparing <laughs> to the Knicks and talking about, hey, look at how great the Knicks are doing with this coaching search. They've brought in seven guys to to interview for the job. It doesn't mean those seven guys are worth jack shit. Um, right. You know, and to me, like, do you want to interview guys like Jason Kidd and Tom Thibodeau right now? I mean, to me, it's it's kind of useless to do that. Like, you probably want to interview some of the hotter names like an Adrian Griffin. That, that to me, is, is more the kind of guy that would be on the Bulls' radar. And that's somebody that's probably not going to be readily available to you for an interview until the bubble season is done. I think you're right. I don't think we can look at the – I mean, I don't think there's much we can look at the Knicks for advice on, but definitely not for a coaching search. I mean, those, those are not the guys that we should be interviewing. We're in a very different position with our team than the Knicks are. Yes, obviously, we're both kind of – rebuilding but I think we are farther along than they are so if they want to bring in you know a Jason Kidd or a Mike Brown to kind of hold them over for a few seasons more power to them but I think you're right I don't think we can look at the Knicks and be like oh they interviewed him we should bring him in too as much as I would love to see Tom Thibodeau back on the Bulls but we'll see. Thibzum like that's been a name that I feel like keeps getting thrown around a lot with um, some media types I I think um, I think I've heard David Kaplan you know, bring up his name on, on ESPN 1000. Um, I don't know that, that would be a scary one for me because I just feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's a different style of player development that's needed here. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if there needs to be a a massive culture change where Thibs is leading the charge. I almost feel like 
it's really the Karnishavis and Eversley show. Like, it's going to be somebody that's really in step with them. And I, I don't see Thibs as the type of guy that meshes with those two. Yeah, I honestly, I don't see it. Um, I think the nostalgia aspect is great. But again, like it, looking at it logically, I don't think he's the right decision. I, I just try to imagine him telling Zach Levine to play better defense. Um, and yes, Zach Levine needs to play better defense, but he is not going to match. Even, even the style of this roster, like it's a very like run fast, offensive centered roster. And um, yeah, he would he would not he would not go well here. And then even thinking about like trying to put him with Lowry Markinen, oh man, that just I don't see it. But um, yeah, I, and I, I think again, like if that's your only option, just keep Jim Boylan for another year. Let him keep making them punch the time clock, and then you know we'll get a culture change when somebody good is available. What's the what's the motto we had is to prepare the child for the road or something like that. I mean, <laughs> let him let him let him yeah, do <laughs> let him do that for a year. Why not? I mean, I I really think I do think he will be gone going into to next season, and I just think that. I, like you, I just think that they're they're being patient with it. And I I think there is an advantage to being prudent. Like you had, I mean, think about it. Under Garpax, you had Skiles, Vinny, Fibs, and Fred all exit with like a lot of controversy behind it. And I think yeah. there's there's something to not firing Jim over Zoom or WebEx or over the phone, <laughs> like. I think they know that there's a perception around the league and they have to do this the right way, even with Jim Boylan. Like, he's still a respected guy by other coaches in the league. So I think there's something to doing this the right way. Can I just say that if they do fire him over Zoom, Zoom, I would love to have a copy of that. I just want to see how it goes down. I want to see his reaction. But yeah, I think they have to wait. And the other thing about the coaches that they fired they had a lot of years on their contract left too. And we had to pay them after they had already left. So I think just knowing the reputation that the Reinsdorfs have of not wanting to put out money unnecessarily, I don't see um, the new front office kind of making that mistake this early on of having to pay someone after they're already gone. Cause it's just going to piss off their new boss. There, There is something to that. I do think, and I, I've heard like that, not necessarily the contract issue brought up, but I've heard, some people bring up that, you know, the, the Reinsdorfs are really the ones that are, are trying to keep Jim employed because they like Jim. Um, but one thing that I, I keep thinking of is they've let their executives, you know, make those kind of hard decisions. I mean, you know, Jerry Krause made made unsavory moves that the Reinsdorf signed off on. You know, the Reinsdorf signed mm-hmm. off on plenty of Garpax mistakes. So I don't know. I have a hard time believing that they would handcuff their their front office from from letting a coach go. I know that's been brought up a lot. I, I just I don't know if I buy it though. It is kind of weird to imagine a scenario where Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't step in to save Phil Jackson, but will step in to save Jim Boylan. That's right. definitely a weird weird kind of thing to think about. It doesn't make much sense. So if that is what's happening, I have a lot of questions for him. But hopefully, that's not what's happening. We and that's a really good point right there. Like we, we just had the last dance, and we saw that he didn't step in at at the last minute to to rectify that situation with with Phil Jackson. I mean, there's no way that you would say that you jump in for for Jim Boylan at any moment. I mean, Phil won you six rings. Jim Boylan's what had a nice February in 2019. Like, come on. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, he did prepare the child, though. That's the important part. Jim Boylan did something for you. So that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the interesting thing with, with the Chicago Bulls right now, I think that there's been some goodwill. Other than the Boylan kind of scenario right now that's got some, some Bulls fans sort of anxious, I think there's been a sort of a nice leaf turned over with the Karnish of his higher and the Eversley higher. And I, I want to get your thoughts on that because uh, the last time I spoke with you was at the beginning of the the season. And I'm kind of, you know, curious what you think about, about the addition of Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley to the, to the front office. I love everything. Maybe not everything about this, but I, I love everything that we've heard so far about their moves. Um, I love Karnasovas. I'm so glad that they picked him. I, I do have to say I was a little bit partial to um, the guy coming out of Toronto. Is it Bobby Webster, I want to say was his name? Yes. Um, I was a big fan of that, but once the Toronto kind of denied the permission for us to interview him, I think Arturis was 100% the next guy on my list, so I'm glad that that's where they went. But I think my favorite thing about this is how much power they've given him to make moves this quickly. I mean, it, it obviously shows a lot of trust there, but I think it's showing a new leaf in this organization where they're actually letting people operate in their jobs and it's not like micromanaging everything that's happening. Um, I think picking the GM quickly was amazing. I'm super glad that worked out. And I think what we've seen is them hiring assistant coaches before we have a head coach, which I know sounds weird. And even then, or I'm sorry, assistant GMs before we had a GM. I think those moves, like hiring people who have different specialties, like we hired a salary cap specialty or specialist. And then, um, you know, just, just things like that. And having a larger front office than we've had in the past is a fantastic move because it shouldn't just be two people in the front office that have the power and that are making the decisions and that are involved in these conversations. So I'm really happy with moves we made picking Karnasovas and Eversley, but I'm also really glad that they've had the power to make other decisions already as well. So I'm, I'm excited. It's a good time to be a Bulls fan, even though it may not seem like it at this exact moment. Um, they've been good moves in my opinion. And you know, um, I, there's, there's something to like the, the philosophy that, that Karnasovas sort of is, is putting in place. And you, you mentioned the different hires. I feel like it's a very collaborative group that's being formed because they all have those different specialties and it's a larger front office uh, it's that's something we haven't seen with the bulls you know you mentioned it was just like the the two-headed monster of garpax and now you actually have like a full-fledged front office and there's still probably more additions coming too i mean it's, it's interesting karnashovas comes from two very large collaborative organizations houston rockets with you know daryl morey it's always been a big front office over there where they've had plenty of people there that can bounce ideas off each other. And the same with Denver, you know, Denver really built a large scale front office. So that's got me excited too with the Chicago Bulls because man, they've always had some of the smallest and, you know, cheapest front office in terms of just the, the how much they put towards operations within the front office. So I'm actually really excited to see what they can do with everything from scouting to analytics to sports medicine. I think it's it's definitely something different for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I, I think even like this, you mentioned sports medicine, like even that small aspect, you think the hires there maybe wouldn't make a big impact, but I'm just glad we're seeing turnover everywhere, honestly, because I think there's 
so many small pieces to this franchise that haven't been working that made the larger parts even less functional. So I'm just, I'm glad there's been turnover everywhere. I think we've had almost an entire clean house and that's really exciting for us. And I guess, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, um, is there another another move other than Jim Boylan possibly being let go? Is there another move that you would like to see the front office make as they kind of brace for the off season? Do you think there needs to be something pumped into the front office? Or do you think they need to maybe make some shrewd moves via trade, maybe on, you know, draft night or, or at the start of free agency? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up on my soapbox here for a second, okay? Go for it. Um, Chris Dunn. See, and I can say this because I talked a lot of smack about Chris Dunn before last year, before this season. Just, it's a simple move. Just do it now. Do it as soon as you can. Whenever free agency open up, opens up, extend the qualifying offer. It's like $7.1 million. Just do it. He's proven that he can be a big part of this team. Nobody thought he could. I definitely didn't think he could. But now he's a defensive anchor. He's got a great team attitude. He's working well with the bench. I think that is my next move after you figure out what is done with Jim Boylan. And then after you start talking to free agents, I want a qualifying offer extended to Chris Dunn. And if somebody else takes him for more money, we will miss him for a little while, but we'll get over it. But I think extend the qualifying offer because he's more than earned it. Um, And yeah, that sounded crazy probably last time we talked, but I'm really glad that he came out this season and did what we needed him to do. So I hope that they bring him back. Well, and you know what? I do remember during our last discussion at the start of the season, you and I were both railing against Chris Dunn, and I, like you, had a, had a come-to-Jesus moment and realized, you know what, <laughs> there's there's actually something really you know valuable with him, and, and he showed, I think, his value on the defensive end, I think played his role perfectly off the bench when needed, played well even in, in the backcourt with Kobe White. I thought he actually complimented him pretty well. So um, I know Mark Schanowski, in, it was in the middle of a, a thread where C. Red Fred and Matt Peck were going back and forth at each other. That happens a lot. Um, Always a fun time, yeah. Uh, it's, it's Twitter gold. Um, but Mark Shanowski chimed in, and, you know, I, I'll read the tweet. He said, 100% agree. And this was regarding, you know, the, it being surprising if Dunn gets a four-year contract anywhere. He said, 100% agree. With salary cap probably dropping and so many teams wanting to preserve space for elite 2021 free agent class... I don't expect a defensive specialist like Dunn to get a lucrative offer. He's likely back with the Bulls next season at the qualifying offer of $7.1 million. I think $7.1 million on a qualifying offer next season I think would be fine for Chris Dunn. And I do agree. I think there's going to be cap uncertainty. I don't think he's going to get you know a massive offer out there on the market. So you might as well just take your swing with the qualifying offer. And I think he'll sign on the dotted line very quickly. Yeah, I honestly, I think so. I think the only real threat we have is maybe our old friends, the Knicks, because they could kind of offer that short-term contract. But yeah, I, I, I think Mark wrote some real poetry there. I don't think he's going to get a four-year contract, even a two or three-year contract that's not with us. I don't see it happening. So yeah, I, I really do hope he comes back. I think this, <laughs> me and you have proven that everybody can grow as Bulls fans because we have now admitted that we were wrong. Um, and yeah, hopefully he comes back. Have you ever seen Rocky Four? No, there's four of those movies. <laughs> whoa, whoa, well, there's there's six, and then there's the Creed movies. But um, in Rocky Four, 
when Rocky beats the Russian Ivan Drago in the USSR, he says to the crowd, because the crowd ends up, you know, changing their tune and rooting for Rocky in, in Russia. And he actually says to the crowd, if, if I can change and you can change, maybe we all can change. And I think that's oh. what happened to you and I. We changed. Beautiful. We, yeah. we saw what happened with Chris Dunn and we changed and we started cheering his name even though we were we were pissed with him we changed our tune and we started to love Chris Dunn just like Rocky and just like the crowd in Rocky 4 I love it I, I didn't know we were going to be comparing Chris Dunn to Rocky today but I'm really glad it happened to be honest Chris Dunn is Rocky Balboa I think I'm going to use that in the promotion for this to see I'm sure there, I'll get some people to bite I need I need the listeners badly um <laughs> Really good clickbait. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's what I'm about. Like, there's, yeah, I'm all about clickbait. I'm all about like seedy ways to get people to listen to the Rebuildable podcast. Katie, real quick, before I let you go, I know people can follow you on Twitter at Katie Duffy underscore, correct? Mm-hmm, they can. Okay. Do we need to find this other Katie Duffy that stole your Twitter handle? I think we, we talked about this last time. Do we, do we still need to find her and maybe you know, give her some cash to, to fork over that Twitter handle? You know what? I have not checked on her in a while. I'm not sure if she's still out there. Um, I should check on that, actually. I hope she's doing well. But yeah, I mean, if she could hand it over, I'd really appreciate that because then it could match my Instagram. And I, as a millennial, would greatly appreciate that. <laughs> but you know what? I just, I do hope she's having a good day. But hopefully she hears this. Maybe she'll click on the clickbait and she'll be like, oh, you know what? I should hand over the handle. Yeah. So the at Katie Duffy is apparently a Bulls fan and we'll, we'll click on the clickbait. I, I, I find that interesting. <laughs> at Katie underscore Duffy, if you hear this, <laughs> please DM me because we need to talk about some things. Yes. That's awesome. Well, Katie, thanks again for, for joining me and we'll definitely have you on again in the near future. Awesome. I can't wait. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.